everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex, and uh, we have a couple little treats for you guys today. So uh, Nick and I have been recording Gone to Texas, our podcast about AMC's Preacher. And uh, usually before or after, we, we chat for a little bit longer about some other stuff. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the recent Spider-Man news, the Sony and Marvel breakup. And uh, some of this information we talk about might be a little bit dated, but it was still a fun discussion, so hopefully you guys will enjoy that. And then the second half of this bonus episode is Nick and I's thoughts on IT Chapter 2. There will be spoilers for the first part of IT, as well as the second part of IT immediately, as soon as that section starts. So check the notes for timestamp info, but... In the meantime, please make sure you go check out Horror Movie Yearbook at horrormovieyearbook.com. Uh, their most recent episode, they talked about the 1990 miniseries of It. And uh, this next week here, they're going to be talking about, uh, they're doing a Friday the 13th bracket, which should be pretty entertaining. Uh, you can see how they seeded things on their Instagram at Horror Movie Yearbook. And uh, please check that out. And uh, on the Midwest Game Nerds podcast, we most recently talked about Fire Emblem Three Houses as well as No Man's Sky Beyond. Please go check that out as well. We should have a new episode out this weekend where we talk at least a little bit about Gears 5 and Control, the latest game from Remedy, the guys behind Alan Wake and Quantum Break. And then, of course, as I said, Gone to Texas is in full swing We just wrapped our episode 7 recap, and this is the final season, so there's only three more episodes of the TV program to go. Please check out our thoughts and our recapping over at g2tpodcast.com. But that's about it. So, uh, like I said, first part's about Spider-Man, Sony, Marvel. Second part's about IT Chapter 2. Check time codes if you want to skip skip through the the Spider-Man stuff, or if you want to, you know avoid the the it stuff so uh thanks for listening and please enjoy i would love to record a conversation about the whole sony marvel thing but the internet the world doesn't need any more conversation probably conversation or speculation i think film nerds fans would enjoy hearing our thoughts but like i'm just frustrated by the amount of people online just yelling about it but not seeming to bother to read the articles yeah like read the details and then like that that post that Tim sent shared from Facebook I was like this is actual nerd drivel. Yes. This 100%. is nerd drivel. Well no, like I don't know if you saw what I tweeted like cuz I didn't actually like I didn't say of anything anything of value because I have nothing to add. <clears throat> I'm a dude in Detroit that has no insider information. Right. And I don't give a fuck. But basically the first like I tweeted the first thing that ran through my mind, which is like I don't think Sony realizes just how vindictive Marvel fans are. That was the first thing that came to my mind. That's what I said. And then as soon as I actually went so my to to quote myself directly, me thinks I don't know why I said that, but me thinks <laughs> Sony under underestimates how vindictive the MCU fan base is. They'll probably do just fine, but I don't think Marvel will take the brunt of any quote unquote heat from Spidey not being in the MCU. And then I I replied to myself with a screenshot from Reddit, and I said, just want to know I did not check Reddit before making the above tweet, but I'll toot my horn for the most predictable conjecture. And the first topic that I saw when I went on Reddit was, this is bullshit, I won't watch any Spider-Man-related material made by Sony going forward, I'm fucking done, we can't have anything nice. That's so stupid. <laughs> Like, Cause, cause, you, yes, you will. Yeah. Yes, you will. You saw Venom, okay? If you really cared about the choices Sony was making with things, you sold yourself out a long time ago. You know what the thing but, is, too? Like, you had some really nice things. And if you loved them, that's great. But that was not going to continue forever. No. I mean, well, you know what? It could have. But you know who's to blame? Marvel. <laughs> Disney. Disney. Disney it's, and Marvel. That's right. I keep saying Marvel. It's not Marvel. It's Disney. It's Disney's fault. Really. They came at him with way with a huge ask. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, Sony said, no, thanks. We're good. And then Marvel or Disney said, we expected them to negotiate, but they didn't. And it was like, bro, you asked for half. 
of shit you don't own. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's great. That's like letting... Well, and I see people coming to defense of being like, well, they asked for 50-50 producing, like not necessarily 50-50 profits, but there hasn't been any like yeah, real right. information about the profit. Like there's no way that they're going to be like, we're going to do 50-50 producing, but you guys can keep 75. Right. That wasn't the conversation. No, it's, that's, no way. That's elementary school math. Yes. Like if, if you're going to put in half the effort, you're going to want half the reward. Mm-hmm. Totally understandable. But that's way that's way too much. That's crazy to yeah. go from five to fifty. <laughs> yeah, what the? <laughs> yeah, only Disney would try that and think that they could get away with it. And you know, in another context, they probably could. Yeah, but but when Venom and Into the Spider Verse come out and do yeah. Gangbusters, sure. What chess pieces do they really think they have? It's it was a really really bogus play, I think, on on Disney's part. I don't know what they were thinking, and there is still. Neither of them have, have, have released an official statement because Sony maybe so, did. Somebody said that they it was it was a little prematurely reported on as everything is nowadays because somebody else said nothing is finalized. They're still talking with Feige about producing, but it seems like the they might have him on as a producer, but not share. Let him be a producer, but not let Disney put Marvel, money into yeah. the pot. And that's the that's the other crazy thing. Like Dis- Sony is, it's not risk. Sony's not taking any risk. They're gonna make their money back. So why would you try to share risk with someone when risk is not a problem for yeah. you? It's it's ridiculous. So Gizmodo says this is their article. Spider Man Showdown. Sony releases an official statement to clarify its Disney relationship. <clears throat> okay, was that today? By Beth Elderkinton today at 11 a.m. Okay. Sony has released an official response to the recently reported news uh, that Disney and Sony reached an in, uh, reached an impasse on Spider-Man partnership, calling many of the stories quote-unquote mischaracterized and squaring much of the blame on Marvel Studio president Kevin Feige's workload. In a rare public statement, Sony released a thread on Twitter late last night discussing the widely circulated and contentious news. The company said it's disappointed by Disney's decision to no longer have Feige as a lead producer on Sony Spider-Man films, claiming it's because of Feige's increased workload following Disney's acquisition of Fox. Disney has not commented on these claims, but also says it hopes the situation, quote, might change in the future. In the statement in full, much of today's news about Spider-Man has been mis- has mischaracterized recent discussions about Kevin Feige's involvement in the franchise. We are disappointed, but respect Disney's, de- Disney's decision to not have him continue as lead producer of our next live-action Spider-Man film. We hope this might change in the future, but understand that many new responsibilities uh, that the many new responsibilities that Disney has given him, including all the newly added Marvel properties, do not allow time for him to work on IP they do not own. Hmm. Kevin is terrific, and we are grateful for his help and guidance, and appreciate the path that he path he has put helped put us on, which we will continue. No mention of the actual deal, just about Feige. Yeah, I wonder if Disney said came to them and said hey we're pulling kevin off of it and we also want to put more money into it and maybe the two things came as part of the same conversation and sony probably wants to hang on to kevin because he knows his shit clearly and he seems to work well with them but yeah i mean bro's got all the x-men and fantastic four and stuff to worry about now so honestly i don't even before any of these niceties are going to come out or whatever i just i don't I don't care. I think it's I think it's kind of good in a weird way. Well, it was really funny. One of the comments that I saw on Reddit was like, "What are they just going to ignore all this character development that Peter's gotten all the, over these past movies?" And I was like, "Tim must be beaming right now because what? like character development." <laughs> I was like, "If any mention of Tony Stark disappears from these movies and Spider-Man gets to be Spider-Man again, yeah. there's a ton of Spider-Man people that are going to be like, "Fuck yes." Dude, I right. I'm I'm one, I'm one of them. <clears throat> like honestly, if I get an I, we haven't had a Spider-Man movie since <laughs> Civil War. I, I that was more of a Spider-Man movie than these last two. Those are I, those are great Iron Boy movies. <laughs> I, Iron Boy is great. The thing is, I'm not any. Uh, you know, if I really cared about this, I'd probably be one of those vindictive nerds. But I'm not. I'm kind of like, well, that's a bummer. But they've got so many other toys to play with, and right. I didn't like. Really, the biggest bummer to me is that the 
end stinger of Far From Home may not play out in the way as was originally anticipated. Sure. Because that, that was the m- most compelling part of everything to me. Yeah, but they have like, I'm sure they have seven different plans that they could enact. Are they just going to flip a switch, reroute to plan B, and yep. then they'll be fine. And yeah, so it'll be okay. They'll probably still execute on it. Yeah. In some way, and it might be great. It might and not be. They can just focus on the Fantastic Four or and and X Men instead. That was the other thing that I saw that was maybe very entertaining was the idea that like, well, there's no current Spider Man movie announced right now. What if it's two to three years out, past Phase Four, and so uh, Marvel's just like, hey, guess what? Fantastic Four is coming the same weekend as Spider Man now, and fuck you guys. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think the drama of it is pretty entertaining. It is. The drama between the studios is fun to me. The butt-hurted n- nerdness of all of it is just kind of like it makes me ashamed to be passionate about this material because I think these other I can't I feel like I can't have a conversation with anybody about it without like being reminded of all these people and be like am I just going to come off like this? <laughs> I try to approach it all rationally. I think it's cool that it started a, com- a larger conversation about the inter-studio politics and the business of it. The the, the financial aspect of movie making is very interesting. Absolutely. And the I, deal in the first place was really right. groundbreaking. I There's actually nothing s- like that. So many people started Googling f- uh, first dollar. Uh, what was the expression? First dollar gross. First dollar, yeah. Like, yeah. Because as soon as I started typing the word first, it autofilled. And I was like, okay, everyone's trying to figure out now how this works. <laughs> and I have never heard it referred to in that term before, but I was familiar with the deal. Once I read it, I was like, oh, I've heard of this. I just had never heard of it by that term before. Yeah. The idea being that as soon as the movie opens, you get a cut of its profit, not like back end total or anything like that. And it's usually, re- it's usually a very short term, either the opening day or the opening weekend. And then that's it. 5% first dollar gross is what's in the variety story. So. Right. Yeah, no, and I that that to me is the most intriguing of it all. Sure, like out of out of all the stuff that we would talk about with film nerds, I think figuring out why studios do what they do and how the big Hollywood machine works is one of the most intriguing topics <laughs> that that we kind of would glance on from time to time. Oh yeah, seeing the choices that get made and and the fact that like this weird unprecedented marvel sony or disney sony deal existed in the first place sure i think it's awesome i think it was it was an incredibly advantageous deal for both parties Mm -hmm. that's why it's weird that marvel would come to the table asking for so much more because even five percent of say the opening weekend of far from home or homecoming had to be a dumb amount of money yeah and on top of that, it's not like it's just like Feige's producing on it. So he's getting a producing credit. He's getting his rate. I'm assuming he's getting paid to do that job. Yeah. As well as all the other jobs he's doing. Mm-hmm. People are making money. And then in exchange for that, not only are you profiting just from Kevin doing his thing, Disney just makes money off of him. Yeah. Sends him out there and says, thank you. <laughs> and then they get to use him in their shit. Yeah. And pr- promote their own stuff and help boost infinity war and endgame just by including spider-man and boosting that to the biggest movie of all time yeah why is this a bad deal and like if you want 15 percent, cool talk to him about it say yeah. hey and obviously we can't comment on how the conversation went down or how the negotiations yeah. went down it may have been incredibly amicable like hey here's what we're thinking we like the partnership we just want a little bit more or it might it may have been handled very professionally but i think we all picture just less grossman from tropic thunder as every <laughs> every producer because a lot of them pretty much most of them are that way yeah but I think it was a good it was a good deal. It worked out well for both of them. Absolutely, clearly, it was mutually beneficial. The only, the I only mean, you you know that when Spider Man showed up in that first trailer for Civil War, that boosted ticket sales one hundred percent, thirty percent. Well, yeah, I say one hundred percent, and in agreeing that you are correct, and who knows? But it like, maybe yes. boosted them one hundred percent. Yes, who knows? Well. Yeah, but uh, no, and everyone sat forward in their chair when they saw that. Yeah. Everyone, there was no one that watched that trailer and didn't go, oh. I mean, that was crazy. Yes. It, it, it that's the thing is that disney is already making so much money off of marvel stuff alone period that like oh yeah sorry there's no way that 
them leaving any Spider-Man money on the table that they couldn't touch because their deal isn't quote-unquote good enough. Well, and they were... Reta- it's your opportunity cost of not being able to use Spider-Man, right? Now you don't get them at all. And they can do whatever the fuck they want because they straight up own those rights. You will never get them back if they don't want you to. Sure. There's no end game here. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, it's mind-blowing. Well, anyway. Plus, Marvel throughout this deal has retained sole merchandising rights. Yeah. So every Spider-Man action figure Disney. It's them. Disney's yeah, money. They get that money. Every Spider-Man pillow, blanket, thermos, pajamas, <laughs> uh bicycle helmet, everything. Nightlight. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Spider-Man is on everything. Mm-hmm. Every little kid who's in a superheroes is either going to have Spider-Man, Batman, Hulk or Superman. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. They'll have one of those. Now there's a lot of Captain Americas, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, everyone loves Spider-Man. He's yeah. awesome. The Spider-Man video game, that probably is money in Disney's pocket and not Sony's. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. Who knows? That's great. I mean, we know what merchandise money can be. Look at George Lucas. I mean, yeah. guy made the best deal of all time yeah. in, in movies. And it's interesting i love i love reading about it talking about it and i think uh it could be a much longer conversation for another day but yeah i think the co- one of the coolest things about it is just the the attention that's being called to that kind of deal you can make whatever kind of deal you can make oh yeah if you propose something and the other party's game great it's not as you simple have an agreement it's a, yeah it's not as simple as like here's this thing it costs me x amount of dollars i mark it up 20 percent. it can be yours for this amount of dollars it's whatever you can negotiate yeah which is amazing yep Hundred percent. That's that's business, you know. And no, it's it would be. It reminds me of another story uh, about Clint Eastwood's. Uh, I'm gonna mess up some of the details. I'm sure he had a an ex-wife or girlfriend that was like a really spurned, really bad relationship, and he, she had some contract where she was she was still contracted to make like five movies with some studio, <laughs> and somehow I need to pause. There's a Wikipedia article that is just the personal life of Clint Eastwood. Yeah. He has his own breakout Wikipedia article for his personal life. Absolutely. I have not seen this on anybody. (laughs) Not a president. Not Genghis Khan. This is the only person (laughs) I have seen that has their own personal life. Has a separate page from their page. It's It's like when there's a discography page for an artist who's been around for 20 years. Who doesn't just have like four albums to list? Yeah, he has his. <laughs> you got to read it. You'll find out why. Yeah, I mean, there's a t- so yeah. I, I was just gonna. I don't know. I was gonna try to fact check you as you went along. So I, I just. I don't remember which woman it was. I don't think it was Sandra Locke. Um. Anyway, he basically, I think during their breakup, she she threatened him in some way, or I know I'm screwing it up. the The end of the story is that. Clint like basically torpedoed her career by getting her fulfilling her contract. I think by only putting her in like dud movies or (laughs) somehow like talked to like his friends at the studio and was like, Hey man, he, and and just did his thing and got her basically tanked her career, like torpedoed it. That's horrible. It is horrible, but it's, it's kind of amazing. Like it's, it's a crazy story. I don't remember. I don't think either of them is 100% right or 100% wrong. It's definitely a very messy... Very murky. Yes. But what he what he did is wrong and yeah. clearly like a like a dis- an, an abuse of power. Yes. But as you're reading it, it's just kind of... You kind of can't help but chuckle because it's so crazy. It's the kind of thing that could only happen like in Hollywood. It, w- it, was, it was Sandra Locke. It was Sandra Locke. Locke. Okay. Like Sandra Locke, excuse me, but... Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, just look it up. Look up this enormous Wikipedia article. Read all about Clint Eastwood. He's a he's a very interesting yeah. Look at guy. his personal life on, yeah. <laughs> on Wikipedia because it has its own article. Yeah, he's he's a fascinating person. <laughs> this uh, there's a box in the upper right corner that says this article is a part of a series about Clint Eastwood. He's got early life, personal life, political life. They have a career breakdown from the fifties to the thousands by the decade. Sure, mayor his his mayor. Mayoral to the I don't even know how to say it. He was apparently mayor of Carmel by the Sea, hmm. and there's a separate page about that. His two, his 2012 RNC appearance, his production company, his filmography, discography, bibliography, and awards and honors are all <laughs> separate links. You can uh, learn. We, you can learn all about him. Man, 
I mean, he's a rare he's a rare breed. There's not a lot of movie stars like him. He is so thoroughly infiltrated the business. That's true. He's an I, er, he's an early example too. I mean, he started directing in like the I think the seventies. Yeah, and uh, some of his best ones are ones he directed, which is crazy. I feel like the only other person that I could think of that would have like this amount of granularity. Well, I was thinking uh, James Cameron. But uh, I don't know if I if I click on his personal life, it's got four or five subsections in it at least. One of which is veganism. <laughs> <laughs> you got to look at Schwarzenegger. I bet you. All right, let's check out. I bet you he's got a big one. <laughs> That's true. He's got quite a. Oh, Schwarzenegger's even more interesting than Clint. So his details box in the uh, yes he he's got it too. <laughs> Film career awards and nominations, Terminator. <laughs> Terminator. There's also separate entries. Yes. There's separate entries for Hasta La Vista, baby, and I'll be back. <laughs> and then there's also See Arnold Run, which is his biographical film starring Jurgen Prochnow and Roland Kickinger, both playing Arnold Schwarzenegger at different ages. Awesome. Covers Arnold's early years by uh, in bodybuilding and a successful run for governor of California. Interesting. Wow. Then there's another section for bodybuilding and business career that has three more, four more articles on it. Political career. Yeah, that's that's great. Arnold is probably the movie star I am most fascinated by. And I would never say he's like one of my favorite actors, but he's probably my favorite movie star. If yeah. we're going to use that term of like movie star. Yeah. Because, oh my God, he's undeniable. Oh, yeah. I actually saw a tweet from somebody the other day. I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Zodiac Motherfucker, if you know who he is. Mm. He um, he was complaining about people using the word iconic too much. Mm. Because there was, he like screenshotted a tweet that said like, see a list of like Kristen Bell's 11 most iconic roles. And he was like, <laughs> okay. Are we using this this term iconic a little too loosely? And he he shared like four screenshots of four actors, and he was like, "These are iconic." And it was like Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, um, probably Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, and like Connery as Bond, that kind of thing. Yeah, things that are truly iconic. Eastwood as Josie Wales was actually one of them. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I would consider these iconic for sure." Like where everyone can look at it and mm-hmm. go. And that 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 is getting kind of diluted now, though. Like there, there's just it's so easy to consume that stuff now too. That like those kind of images aren't well, they don't stand out as much anymore. That listicle is going to be forgotten by time. Like it'll be out there on the internet. Somebody will find it someday and be like, "Oh, that's fun." But like, sure. I think those performances, and there will be performances now that oh, will become iconic. Absolutely. Right? But you know. They're Kristen just Bell's most iconic movies. Zero. <laughs> like, I love Kristen Bell. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything I would use the term iconic. Like iconic, Frozen, but that's not really like tied to her and her image as much. Yeah. Right. Like, right. I, it's, it's, it's not. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. It was. Uh, People it, abuse language all throughout time. all of history. Yes. And in all different languages. And the internet has really. <laughs> proliferated it too yes. like it, it has just become rampant it's the printing press of our time yeah and and language is definitely and uh, in, in that same thread there were multiple people replying with and this word and this word and this word talking about other words people abuse constantly legendary epic yeah but iconic is is a very interesting choice especially in movies i mean <coughs> anyway there's there is no disputing that arnold is iconic true the terminator is one of the most iconic characters of all time now I just want a list of Wikipedia list of list of list of celebrities who have series of articles on them on Wikipedia. That's the list that I want to find. I bet that we if, that if Tim and Willie were here, the four of us put our heads together. I bet we could guess. We could find like we, four more. We could guess. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And there's probably some really funny. Uh, really obscure ones that you wouldn't think, but I probably have re- really detailed. I feel like there's some movie people or music people out there too. Like yeah. I feel oh, like yeah. I feel yeah, like probably more than movie people. Yeah, their stories tend to who so many side projects and all like uh, sixty years worth of work. And oh, I'm sure all the Rolling Stones have a crazy yeah entries, and Stallone probably has a pretty lengthy one. Bob Dylan, yeah, iconic people. <laughs> <laughs> 
This has been a Film Nerds bonus episode yeah, for 20 minutes this that I our... will probably just throw up in the feed so that people can listen to it. But Yeah, we should definitely get a conversation going about who some a guessing game of who has these Wikipedia articles. No cheating. Okay. All right. I'm down. That'd be a good game. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet there's a lot. I'll bet there's a few wrestlers too. Probably. Oh, The Rock probably has one. We'll find out another time. He'll get there. Oh, yeah. He's got a political once career. Once he runs for, oh, once he <laughs> yeah, runs for president, so. absolutely. Once he's elected president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Welcome to this weird thing. Might be a mini film nerds slash compliment slash rebuttal to <laughs> horror movie your book. Uh, I'm Alex. I'm Nick. We saw it chapter two. Oh, we did. And, uh, you know, we saw it together. We uh, both yeah. enjoyed the first one very much. Loved I don't, it. I think it came out post Film Nerds hiatus. So, uh, 2017. Yeah. So, around so we this didn't, time two years ago, we didn't really talk about it. Um, but pretty much everybody in the world liked it. We both liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, despite not really being a fan of any horror movies, was a fan. Um, sure. And, we don't feel that way about it. Chapter two. No. Um, the worst part is, is I feel bad for not liking it because I loved the first one so much. I feel like oddly compelled to really like chapter two or to stick up for it. Yeah. But when it ended, I was like, okay, all right. And like, yeah. And I kind of was like, all right, a lo- there were, there was a lot of that that worked for me. And I walked into the car and I was like, yeah, we were kind of talking about it. Yeah. And like, and like, you know, the general mood in the group was like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. And then, like, we got in the car, and my wife and I were driving home, and, like, we were pretty much home. We were kind of talking about it, and we were talking about the first, we were talking about chapter one, and, like, we were pulling up onto our street, and she was like, oh, that wasn't, uh, no, that wasn't very good. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and she's really, like, forgiving. Yeah. Of pretty much everything. Like, she is, she hates talking with me about movies because I talk about them too long, and I'm generally too hard. She's like, you're too hard on them. We nitpick. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and something that I notice is that there's like a there's like a category of people that it's like if you have any like I, I we think it's weird when people don't have a criticism of something. Yeah. Right. You know. And, I do. But when we have criticisms of things, people are like, "Oh, you hate it," and it's like, "No, that's not the case. I just have problems with it. it." Doesn't mean I didn't like it. I told you that I did. And I just like talking about it. Yes. It not being it, but everything, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> And with this, with it, it's going to be a lot of this, isn't it? In these 10 minutes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I just, it, can I, right can off I the, go, can I go back to what I was going to say to you? Yeah. By like, all means. The, the, uh, everything you thought about the Avengers, Joss Whedon's the Avengers. Sure. I thought about the beginning of this movie. Okay. The beginning of this movie is the worst version of the beginning of the Avengers. You mean the opening scene? In the carnival? No, I mean, I mean the first act of this movie. Okay, I got of you. Of getting everybody, getting everybody together, together, sure, and like them getting together, and they still don't even really mesh because they all kind of realize that none of them remember. By the way, spoilers for it, chapter two. Yeah, the. But they don't even really remember each other, and it's all kind of like built on this like false premise of like, you know, we had this friendship that everybody's forgotten except for Mike, right? Mm. As I was watching that, like it, the New York scene with Eddie is the most caricaturish New York that it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And he, of course he gets in a car crash and he's busy and he's an actuary or whatever the hell he is. And like, I was like, no. And then <laughs> Bill Hader goes out and does a comedy routine. And I feel like I'm just watching Bill Hader. I'm not watching Finn Wolfhard out there on stage, you know, like. Jessica Chastain's like I I get that probably in the book her husband was abusive or whatever yes. but oh my god was it a cartoon they were all like everybody's everybody's opening was so cartoonish and caricaturish to mm. me like yeah Ben Ben giving the impassioned speech about the building yes instead of just being like do what the fuck I say I'm yeah. your boss <laughs> this is my money yeah, you will exactly. do what I want and then James McAvoy like Look, oh I'm a writer. And I have a trailer, and I'm on the movie set right now. My at wife WB. Is the <laughs> <laughs> you know what's? I didn't even. Th- 
none of this was even on my radar oh, man. but now that you're saying it it's funny and like all of that put together I, and i was just like this is the worst version of avengers because i don't they're not even cool superheroes they're just normal people <laughs> living <laughs> like, out their lives yeah you know it's interesting because i know in the book it's supposed to be more s- kind of staggered throughout right? well no it, it's it's made clear that they are all really successful people like mm. there's a tension called to it that they move away from dairy and they become really successful they flourish and they don't remember yeah like that that is a mechanism from the book that they kind of their memory becomes really cloudy yeah and i think now i haven't read the book so i'm not speaking with any authority and i could 100 percent be wrong but i think that in the book pennywise wants to keep them away like he's not Mm. into he the idea of them coming back, back yeah. right because they defeated him mm-hmm. like they showed that they had power over him and in the movie it seems like he's kind of down for it yeah to the point where at the end he like kind of is like saying like i missed you guys and, it, yeah. and while that's creepy and the delivery in the trailer was amazing in the movie it didn't work for me at all because i was like wait why does he want to get back the group that banded together and beat his ass as kids and other grown-ups who are facing who who are capable of yeah, facing the people their who fears. got the closest to defeating him and and realizing the trick of him yeah and yeah and like on the one hand i i don't want to condemn it because i really like the idea of pennywise representing your like deepest fears and in and anxieties and the those dark and your childhood trauma yeah and, exactly yeah. and 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 trying to defeat that and face it with the people that you cared the most about like i love that i just don't think it worked in oh, the movie. it, it, it was didn't come a across very poor execution because at the same time i just wanted him to turn into a giant spider and try yeah. to eat him like i that's what i was stoked for <laughs> i was like i want to see what the spider looks like in the 2019 version versus the 1990 version because as a kid that scared the shit out of me David and Chen brought up on the Slash Film Cast the fact that like this movie has the most on-the-nose Alex leans over and whispers symbolism to someone <laughs> of the fact that their scar on their hand disappears right. after they kill. And it, it just feels like the most, do you see what we did there? Yeah, did you get it? <laughs> and it just, it, like it. Did it's... you get it? <laughs> Can you kill it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off for that, but it just it. No, that's that's true. And like, so like I said, I left the theater and I was like, cool. And then like I didn't really talk about it at work because we saw it Thursday. So mm-hmm. I gave everybody that we usually have this unwritten rule at work where you no get spoilers. you get the opening weekend, and if you haven't seen the movie, you probably don't want to see it that bad. So yeah. now we're all going to talk about it in an open forum. And once most of us started talking about it, the more we talked about it, and I, the more I recalled my conversations I had with Kim throughout, I kept bringing it up throughout the weekend. Like, yeah. I just wanted to talk about it so bad. And like <laughs> on Saturday, like we were literally like in the kitchen, I was like washing dishes, and I was like, "So why did they decide?" And like, just out of nowhere, like was was just questioning a lot of the decisions. And yeah. I'm I, I'm not, I did not come here tonight planning to talk about this movie, so I don't have any of my thoughts organized. But it doesn't matter anyway. I did like it. Like I I. I liked the movie. I had a nice time at the movie. But when compared to chapter one, which I think was wildly successful at everything it set out to do, I'm just like so disappointed because the cast is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They're all really gifted actors. Most of them are dead ringers for the kids. Yeah. And most of them are playing really good. Like James McAvoy's impression of the kid who played Bill is like really good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's not even playing his interpretation of Bill. He's playing that kid's version of Bill. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Apparently Finn Wolford really wanted Bill Hader to play him. He's pretty good. Like I think Hader's great in the movie and I think he's a pretty good match. But uh, uh, James uh, Ranson, Ranson, whatever, who plays Eddie is the MVP in my opinion. He nails everything. He captures that kid and then takes it to another level, mm-hmm. and it's just unbelievably good. He is so funny, and he is so good at being scared, and he's so good at taking the wheel when he has to. I mean, it was the best performance, and I love I love how much attention and love Bill Hader's getting online. Like, he was trending on Twitter. Whoa, shit. After the uh, Pennywise is here, fucking with my mic. <laughs> uh, he was trending After, on Twitter, and yeah. I was like, this is cool, but man, he's the second best in this movie. How is everyone overlooking this guy? I mean, it was unreal. And that those were the things I took away from the movie Loving were some of the performances. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. The fact that this movie afforded this situation right now where we have this group of actors that 
got cast very well against these the their f- former selves in the form of these kids like it's just a very unique situation yeah it's it's the it's the dark knight returns that we all wanted with christian bale returning 15 years after the dark knight like that it, it's it's this form of like it's even all these like weird um lega sequels of, of people coming back we get ke- uh you know jeff bridge is coming back to be kevin flynn like sure you don't very often get to tell a story of this scope and have it have all the pieces fit together as well as they should the fact that like what lets you down here feels like it's a lot of the writing yeah oh big time is super disappointing yeah that said you know that the director has a lot to do with it too but i don't necessarily feel as though like i was visually let down by the storytelling of the movie like it feels like there's story choices and like tonal shifts and and things that had to be on the page in some form that just like really betray what that first movie was and the fact that like it's this this the, the form of the second movie takes the shape of Avengers Endgame or like just this mess of like a partial remake of the first movie and and not like I don't know it's it's baffling it was also unclear to me if the scenes of them as kids were pre or post Pennywise. That's what's really weird is that there's a lot of this that's like, even the way they play the clubhouse, they act like the clubhouse was this thing that was in the first movie. <laughs> and the fact that it's not, it wasn't anywhere. Yeah. It, it's this weird betrayal. It's like, if I didn't like confidently know that, I would have been like, oh yeah, the clubhouse was sweet in the first movie too. Like, no, it wasn't there at all. Like... <laughs> It's very strange. It's a strange beast. And I and like I my love for this movie and any love for this movie that I have I think comes straight out of the first movie. Yeah. That group of kids was great together. Oh, they were electric. They were amazing. And you know what? They probably got to hang out a lot more than than the adults of this group did. They're all very wildly successful movie stars for the most part. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, Maybe Ben and Ben and Eddie got to hang out a lot because James Ransone and whoever played Ben aren't like huge, but like everybody else, it feels like you know they didn't get to spend a year of their life making the first movie. You know it, yeah, and it did. It felt like a waste of some of the talents. Like I'm like, dude, you have Jessica Chastain in this movie, yeah, who is one of the most talented actors working today, and she just was kind of flat. And I'm yeah. like, you didn't give her anything to do other than be like kind of in distress a couple times and uh, she just felt like she got some of the least attention and it was a it was a bummer yeah and ben as well and although he's pretty one note it's like what's my motivation oh you're sad about beverly okay what else oh no that's it those are your scenes go go do them and you know and we we do we were talking about this before we started deciding to record this (laughs) uh what's with the second act and like the Mm. the rinse repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat of like finding your token you specifically said after the second time you did it, you realized like, oh, we're going to have to do this seven I have times. to watch, yeah. yeah. And uh, like that is... And mo- like, like when a movie signals to you like, hey, you're about to be bored for a bit because we're going to do the same thing a m- bunch of times. Basically, uh, someone from the theater walked out and was like, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> Get ready. You, yeah. Put well, on your seatbelt. My my wife had to had to go to the bathroom at some point and she like leaned over. She's like, when should I go? And I was like, oh, I don't know, whenever. Like... <laughs> Like in the second act, like straight up, I told her, I was like, go now, I guess. And like she came back, she's like, what did I miss? I'm like, I don't know, like Richie found his thing. And then like Pennywise chased him around and then like that was it. And now we're on to the next one. She's like, okay, cool. Or yeah. like whichever one it was. Then the it was like adult goes to place where Token is, flashback to being kid there, having traumatic experience, back to usually Pennywise is involved, back to adult, get Token, Pennywise comes back, gives a warning message instead of just killing them there, which if you want them... I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and then and then they run away and they go to the next one. And none of them were really interesting. Most of them I was like, yeah, whatever. Like the only one I really enjoyed was Eddie's because yeah. it was Eddie. And I mean, Bill Hader's was good because it presented the first look into like the secret that he has. And 
you know, there isn't that much. I feel like there's not that much Bill Skarsgård in this movie. Yes, Pennywise, there's a painful lack of Pennywise, which is well. A there's lot Pennywise of... in like other forms or like releasing other things to do his bidding. And what made the first movie so scary was his performance. Like, I still have a hard time rectifying in my brain that this was a human being that delivered that character. Yeah, because it is so. It's such a big broad insane swinging for the fences performance but it doesn't feel showy or or inappropriate it doesn't feel like he's trying too hard no it's it is there it is terrifying how perfect he is in that first movie and how just everything he does is so scary and and it felt so real and there wasn't much cgi in the first movie like the few scenes where his jaw would like open up and unhinge looked bad but there wasn't that much of it. And yeah. in this movie, it is overboard with the CGI and it's all bad. Yeah. And instead of Pennywise scaring through like simpler means that can be more practical or more like leave it up to your imagination, we see these full on like it feels like almost like it was directed by a different person because in the first movie, the scares are so much more like, I mean, when there's that shot of Pennywise in Bill's basement and he comes out of the water up to his nose and then he comes thrashing out of it. That shit is so scary. And yeah. it's, it's legit. Bill Skarsgård in the costume doing that in front of the camera and you're like, okay, that works. And then in this movie when he's like just big fake teeth biting people, like the opening scene I liked a lot because it was really scary. It was super brutal. It was really intense. I was like, okay, cool. Like we're starting this movie off with a bang. And honestly, the bar none for me, scariest shot of the movie was when the guy's in the water mm-hmm. and he's bobbing up and down and, and he bobs up anyways. and you see that creepy outline of him initially mm-hmm. and bobs back down before he even reaches out to him. You oh, see like yeah. the outline of yeah. him and the eyes like two fireflies and I just, my skin started crawling. I was like, oh. And then you see him reaching out to him, and I was like, oh, God. But then when he attacks the guy, it's the worst looking thing. It's like this terrible looking bite, and it's all done in one shot, and it's yeah. super gory and over the top. And I was like, that's not scary. Yeah. That's just gross. And like, if you're, if you're here to gross me out, that's cool. But I liked the first movie where I wasn't grossed out, I was scared. Like, I left the theater, like, freaked out. And this movie, I left the theater, and I was like, whatever. Yeah. Like, I wasn't really scared. And I, maybe it's not supposed to be as scary because they're grownups, but you still could have... I mean, this this is totally an area where someone who is a bigger fan of the book or who is who is really well-versed in the book would be like, well, no, that's the way the second part of the story is supposed to be. Total, but point, he, point taken, but as far as, like, a movie goes, like, I just didn't... It didn't work And for that's me. the thing. Like, I know when... when at least when Tim walked out of it, I haven't spoken to him about it or Willie, but I know that Tim was kind of like, you know what? This movie was a mess and the book is a mess too. And I kind of love it for that fact. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's one thing and, and that's great. But what I loved so much about the first movie from what I could understand is that it looked at it and decided to make a movie that worked as a movie. Yeah. He, he was like, they're going to be all kids right now. We'll have the adults later, you know. If it does well, it was kind of a we'll shoot the first one, see how it goes. Yeah, and, and it was a it, it's a great complete story. You could take it or leave it for what it was, and, and I I thought all of that worked great. But the fact that like you know they looked at the text and distilled it into this form that worked so well on screen, yeah, was great. And the fact that they could not do that with the second half of the story. It was for the, disappointing. For the first one, were they still working off of Fukunaga's script? In some way. He I th- got a credit. Yeah. But uh I don't I don't necessarily know. And and there's certain like Fukuna according to Fukunaga, there was no second script for him. Okay. Uh he didn't he didn't write anything. Oh yeah. Like the, yeah, it's they, essentially they had, a new writing team for this yes. movie, and I think it shows. But I think also the point you made before we started recording was like the first one's a big hit and they tell Andy like, Hey man, do you like do it again? Well, here's money. Like, yeah, you did great. Do it, do it, do it again. You know, tell the rest of the story. It it feels like one of those instances where the restraint was better for him. Yeah. By making them scale it down and like making it work. Like a a dude, half of a dude's face in a sewer drain is scarier than this whole movie. Oh yeah. And that shit works like Mm -hmm. that worked. And in this movie they went too big with most of it for me. And I know some things like the Paul Bunyan statue. Cool. Like it's in the book. Yeah. It's a cool, weird moment, but they also, (laughs) 
again, it's one of those things where like you're supposed to know that Richie is scared of the statue as like a kid or whatever. Yeah, that's okay. All the flashbacks of them as kids have no weight anymore because we know that they all make it to adulthood. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, they were scared once. Great, yep. you'll get over it. Yeah. And in the it's funny because in the first movie, like I know the second part of it. I know that they're all adults. I know they all come back to Derry except for Stanley. And at the same time, I'm really scared for them during the whole first movie. I was like, m- throughout that whole movie, I'm like, oh my god, are they going to make it out? Like, mm-hmm. I was on the edge of my seat. And now in this one, I'm like, well, I know that they all make it to adulthood. So. Little, so you've removed all stakes of so any flashbacks. Little Ben hiding in his locker, like while it should be scary, it just really wasn't. And I was like, mm, just kind of bored during all those sequences. And the, the fact that they tried to like intertwine it with what was happening in present day, quote unquote, just didn't really like it. Didn't mesh. It didn't make sense. They didn't successfully like, yeah, tie that horror together. And, and I think you know it. it, it this one didn't need to be this terror fest. Like I didn't, I think it could have been a really compelling drama of these, of showing how these childhood dramas had affected them later in life in bigger ways. But the only one we really get any indicator of is Eddie because he basically married his mom and he's still carrying all the same quirks and personalities. We see Bill's stutter come back. Yeah. Which wasn't there in his first scene. And Beverly married like the abusive guy but it's so thin and there's so little of it. And I, you know, I would have rather almost have seen more of them in their lives pre coming to dairy. Yeah. Might've given it more weight as like an adult, but you're right. The first act is a a very rushed. You get one scene with each of them and it ends with the phone call Mm -hmm. with Mike or it starts in Richie's case. And then I know Willie was dissatisfied with the characterization of Mike I you know it was I didn't really love it or dislike it, but he yeah. definitely they did a really kind of tropey thing of like, yep, he's kind of a bad guy, but yeah. only because he feels he had no choice. Like no one would have helped him. And I <laughs> we were talking about at work, and I was like, I love that he essentially scratched off the warning label <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the thing he cut out the he cut the tag off the mattress, and it was like, well, and there's like there's this trope called the magical Negro. Yes, that that is very common in Stephen King works. I didn't even think of that. Like everything that just literally, and Mike gets to bear the brunt of that once again. Yeah. Not to mention like the characterization of like native Americans as well, which is the typical like, and the timeline doesn't make any sense with that either. They talk about it coming like a million years ago and there's people to witness it. And like, yeah. And, and record it. Yeah. Like, not only were there human beings there, but they were like advanced enough to like, oh shit, did you see that? Yeah, man, write it down. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> get a picture of that. Yeah. No. That didn't really add up. No. I don't know. There just was a lot of weird weirdness. A lot of weird choices that I it just felt it's a it's such it's just a bummer. It's just a disappointment really. Like I, I like I said, I liked it. I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I had a pretty good experience overall but it was one of those things that the more i'm thinking about it the less satisfied i am and ultimately i'm just really bummed out because the first movie deserved i feel like a much i would have rather waited one more year take more time more time de-age those kids more (laughs) (laughs) and just trim 45 minutes off of that runtime. yeah just just (laughs) knock it out of the park like grand slam it out of there because like man if it had been done more to my liking <laughs> apparently is what i'm saying well i feel like it would have just been the most fitting f- amazing ending but even like the actual they bully pennywise into like this weird shriveled dude and i was like this sucks yeah i hated it i don't even know exactly how they kill him in the book but i'm like i bet it's not like this <laughs> even the way he looked was dumb i was like this just didn't work for me at all yeah especially after so many really inspired creature designs and effects and Mm -hmm. like the things that Bill Skarsgård can do with his face and his voice and everything. I was like, what the, what is this little thing he turned (laughs) into? It just the whole time I I wanted to be like, I wanted to look down the road. You guys would be like, is this for real? uh, It's like um, the Benjamin Button, but not the, (laughs) the one that they show in Walter Mitty. Do you remember in no. the in like the flat because he has like this this daydream with Kristen Wiig where he's this little baby, 
that's a play off of Benjamin Button. I don't but even that's, remember that. Yeah, no, that's what it, that's that's what it reminds that's me. That's awesome. Of. <laughs> it's just like Ben Stiller's head on a it. Baby. Honestly, yeah. they may as well have stuck Ben Stiller's head in there and be like, "No, don't!" Like it just looked ridiculous. I, yeah. I don't know. It just didn't. I was like, "This is the this is the answer." It sounded like they had a cool mechanic lined up. Like, okay, cool. We'll lure him through these tunnels. He'll get smaller and smaller and smaller, and then we'll stab him. Yeah. With like the fence post or whatever. And I was like, sweet, I'm down for this. It makes sense. And then instead it turns out. like, no, let's run out into the center of this large area. (laughs) Yeah. And then call them names. (laughs) We'll become the the bullies, become the thing that you hate. Yeah. The kids who were bullied become the bullies. Yeah. yeah, You either die a hero like Eddie (laughs) or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain like the whole rest of the losers club. Well, you know, in 15 years, I can't wait for Neil Blomkamp to be like, you know what? I'm going to make a movie that ignores the second one and then not do it. And then have it not have. Yeah. <laughs> ignores the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> the ending. Yeah. Yeah. I. The worst part is, is I wish I could speak with more authority on the book because I feel, you know what? At the same time, no, fuck that. Because I just going from a movie going perspective, like it just didn't work for me. No. And that's the thing. Like it, it, the first one did it. The first one did what we wanted to to do. The yeah. first one is a, is a great story, and it's something that I'll probably revisit. I don't feel like I have to watch it chapter two, even if I watch it chapter one, you know? And it, the fact that the second one does not meet that bar, you know? Yeah. It would be one thing if we walked away from it and we're like, you know what? It's more of the same, but it was good. Yeah, And sure. it worked. That's one thing but I think you and I walk away from it and are like, this is getting worse the more we think about it. Yeah, and, oh, and absolutely. It, it doesn't, it's not more than the sum of its parts. It's less than the sum of its parts. It's, yeah, I think um, it's a bummer. There were a few moments, though, that really worked well for me. Like, there were some things that I loved. Like, yeah. so that opening sequence was good. Pennywise was really creepy in that until he took that weird fake bite. But like all the balloons were really cool. Like that was scary. That was awesome. That put me on edge. I was like, cool. Uh, the shot of him that's from all the trailers, but of him on the balloons where he's like swinging his legs as he's coming mm-hmm. down to Richie. That whole sequence was cool. The way that all the people in the background were like moving it. Like the things that felt like some effort was put into a little more directorially. Like every scene in the first movie felt like it had that level of care yeah. where he was like, how can I make this scene the best it can possibly be? And like the passion was like evident on the screen. And in this one, I just felt like there were a lot of like getting through the motions, getting through to just hurry up and get to the third act. And and that was another thing I felt was like, okay, they're all adults. They've been brought back to dairy to kill it. There's going to be an hour and a half until they kill it. Mm-hmm. And like just getting to that point. And it started getting really cool too. Once they go back into the sewers and they go down that hole and they're like, I was like, oh, like, here we go. It's getting spooky again. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of big CGI upper torso of clown on spider legs. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Looks really real <laughs> and, and not at all ridiculous and not scary. Yeah. I And, uh, you know, and when they all split up, like, I liked some of those little side sequences, too. Like, Bill in his basement facing that demon and then, like, Ben and Bev's was whatever didn't really work for me and eddie and richie together with the doors was like funny those were like good gags and that i was kind of enjoying and then we i was like oh we gotta go back to the big half spider (laughs) half clown i also felt like the richie eddie thing was like incredibly tacked on and and unnecessary yeah like making richie gay fine yeah works works fine like i like it this is a that that scene at the arcade was so sad mm-hmm. like that really i was like oh my god that poor kid like watching him struggle and finn wolford is it he's he does so well with that performance i like yeah. immediately was like oh my god this poor kid doesn't know how to express what he's feeling and he's getting made fun of for it like this is brutal mm-hmm. that worked great and like watching bill Hader's performance then was a little more informed and i was like okay this is really interesting we're getting something here and then with Eddie, I was like, you didn't need that. No. It, that could have just been his best friend. Yes. And it, that's fine. Be be sad about that. Like, totally. But then, like, the going back to the, the carving, and I was like, wait, you mean to tell me this whole time this whole he time, was in yeah. love with Eddie? That didn't... No. You don't need it. No, I don't feel like they laid that track in the... Maybe if they laid that track better in the first movie, it would have been one yeah. thing. But or even at the beginning of this movie. No, yeah. Yeah. It just... Yeah, and I saw lots of people online be like, wait, it makes so much more sense now. He says Ben is handsome. He's gay. 
We knew it from the beginning. I was like, that's stupid. That's really dumb. That's a bad take. <laughs> I've called Nick handsome so many times. It's true. Oh, you're good looking as well. Alex. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it it just didn't work. And and even the one the one moment, the one emotional beat that like worked a thousand percent for me was Bill Hader crying like in the water. Yeah. yeah, that got me. I was like, wow, because it was just Richie, the jokey, silly one, finally breaking down and like letting this emotion take him over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fantastic. And then later, I'm like, wait, it's just because he's sad that Eddie's dead. I mean, we know that's why, but it wasn't enough. Like yeah. that wasn't good enough to just let it be the the tragedy of friendship being over. Yeah, because of death. Like that's that's what the movie's about. That's like what this whole Losers Club was about. The circle's broken now. Mm-hmm. First with Stanley, and then and then with uh, and Stanley's letter was good, but at the same time, I couldn't. It was too much. I couldn't pay attention to well, it. Well, and it also smells of like the. It's almost like the, not to bring it back to the Avengers, because that's apparently all we can talk about on on film nerds related media, but. (laughs) It's the destiny of this show. But his letter's literally like, yo, guys, you're the Avengers. You needed something to avenge, so I killed myself. (laughs) (laughs) I did this for you. (laughs) Because I knew that if I didn't, you wouldn't do it, even though you were already all there. And then I was dead. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck did that even mean? You're right. God. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, doesn't he say he, it's because he knows he's not strong enough to do it? I don't even. know. And that, I don't remember. <laughs> I think. I think he says the only way it would work is if everybody was there. I'm not. I'm too scared to be there, so I have to be dead. Mm. Which. I don't need that. I just liked the idea that Stanley was too terrified to do it. Like that speaks volumes like of how traumatized. Apparently he remembers everything. If he was willing to just kill himself, like he remembers better than everybody else. Except for for Mike. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. And Henry Bowers. Fine. Yeah. Henry Bowers. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, we're anyway nitpicking it to death. But I will gladly watch the first one again anytime. I'm actually just it was on HBO for a while, and I wanted to rewatch it, and I didn't. And I went back. Of course, it's gone now because the sequel's out. Yeah, I really want to watch it again. I think that was a phenomenal movie, and this one just didn't didn't live up. And worse, didn't capitalize and close off the the amazing first chapter. Yeah, I yeah, think that and the, it lets down the people in it. I feel, I feel like all the kids can walk away and be like, oh, shit, we made the good one. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. were, we were in a better version than James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader. Like, cool. Yeah. I wonder what's next for Andy. He's uh, he's currently attached to The Flash. Oh. Starring Ezra Miller. Interesting. Um, I would I would love to see him stick in horror. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's got a real knack for it. He just needs help. I don't. I don't know if he needs more or less, or or I. I better writer. Yeah, I can't speak with any authority as to what happened, but it feels based on like past experiences that it was not. He needed more help in the writing department, and he needed to be reined in a little bit. Yeah, maybe that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, or it could have just really been time. They were working on making an it movie for a long time, and. How, how much of those decisions were even Andy Machete That's true. by the end of it anyway? Like, That's did true. he step in and fill a role as they were kind of starting to move on things anyway? But I just think back to Drag Me to Hell when Sam Raimi was like, we didn't have money, we didn't have time. So we scaled it down, we made it simpler, and it made it more effective. Yeah. And it, Drag Me to Hell is sweet. It's such a cool movie. And I think it, partially because it just ra- the the magic of Sam Raimi, but also because he acknowledges those kind of things and he knows like, just because we don't have the money or the time doesn't mean it has to be bad. And and more money doesn't with horror doesn't equate to a scarier movie. In fact, I feel like it usually does the opposite. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I think the guy's instincts are good. Yeah. Based no. on the first movie, I mean it's a it's a modern classic as far as I'm concerned. And that performance, I'm really sad that he didn't get more to do. The Firefly scene was awesome. Yeah. And so bothered me <laughs> like really really <laughs> bothered me a lot 
And I wanted more of that. I wanted Bill Skarsgård to get to do his thing a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I'm sad that we won't get any more of that performance because it was just unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Those are our thoughts on It Chapter 2. Who knows if they'll ever see the light of day. I think they will. All right. I might stick this with the Spider-Man thing that I have not released as of yet (laughs) to make it a mini bonus Oh, I think you can throw that away now based on... I still think it's an interesting. Are we just recording discussion. secret? The Lost Tapes? Yeah. This is the episode two of The this Lost is, Tapes. Uh, this is uh, My Prince Vault is going to be filled with <laughs> volumes of unreleased material that the fans will be clamoring for yeah, after my exactly. death. Yeah, your estate will have to decide what to do with. Yes. They'll be on Spotify They'll the day bring after Justin you die. Timberlake's going to be a part of this episode somehow. Okay, you know, good. When they release it in the end, he'll I'll remix look, it and I'll add look his. For, I look forward to that. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Alex, why I go out to movie.